And if you've got your Bible, would you open up to Exodus chapter number 4? And we're going to take a look at the life of a guy by the name of Moses. guy by the name of Moses. And so while you're turning there, it's the second book right after the first book of Genesis. The title of my sermon tonight is this. It's never too late. It's never too late. When you're there, say, I'm there. All right, here we go. Here's what it says, chapter 4, verse 1. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me and listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is it that that's in your hand? Shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff, and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. Turn to your neighbor and say, bad decision. Bad decision. So Moses reached out, he grabbed it, and he turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. Would you pray with me one more time that God would enter this place? Father, we thank you tonight for the moments that we share. We thank you for this community. We thank you that you work through your people. Father, I pray more than anything tonight that you would get me out of the way and we would be allowed to see who you are, your heart for humanity. Father, I pray tonight that if there is anyone that is in here that doesn't have a a relationship with you, that doesn't know you, Father, I pray that tonight would be the night, God, that you would just pierce their heart. Father, help us to see you in a way that we've never seen before. It's in your Beautiful name that we pray. Amen. Man, so a little bit about me. Um, I was married about six years ago, and uh, we got two kids. And uh, man, I tell you what, doing life, being married is, is crazy, and it's fun, and it's awesome, and it's also difficult, right? And so I want to share a little story with you about uh, when I was a rookie husband. Are, is there any rookie husbands out there? Like you just got married? You got one over here? One? Okay, one. That's good. Here's why I ask. I'm going to give you guys good advice. Are you ready? Guys, take some notes. Here we go. So I was out, and uh, this is back in 2012, and we bought our very first house. It was a great house right in the middle of town. And my wife loves to watch HGTV, all right? Like, this is going to be the death of me. She loves to watch HGTV. And one of the things she said, she goes, she goes Ben, I-, I think we can remodel this house. You know how much experience I have in remodels? None. But I watch YouTube. So we're there, and we're in the middle of this remodel, and things are getting crazy, and they're getting real. And it's like you can see on HGTV, like, the end result, right? Like, you can see the picture at the end, like Chip and Joanna Gaines, right? They make it look so awesome and fun, and they kind of skip through that middle part. Well, we're living in that middle part. And there we are, and and I just get on staff with this new church, and so... One Saturday, I'm out and about in the middle of this reconstruction, picking up some groceries, and I end up seeing my pastor, right? I love my pastor. And so I find my pastor, and I'm talking to him, and I tell him, man, we're in the middle of this remodel, and it's amazing, and I'm excited for what God's placed in our heart for what is going to happen here, and it's, it's just going to be this really cool house. And he goes, man, someday I'd love to see that. You ready for rookie mistake number one? I do this. I go, well, you should come on over right now. Rookie mistake. 
So I put him in my car. I said, come on, pastor, let's go. And so we hop in the car and we start driving. And then all of a sudden, the light bulb goes off. Oh, no. My, my wife doesn't know that we're coming over. <laughs> Rookie mistake. So I'm sitting there. And, and you ever had like a code call? Like you're on the phone and there's like some code language, some code lingo. Like this is what happens. I, I get on the phone with my wife and I say, uh, hey, babe, it's me. Which, of course, he's like, why are you self-identifying? Like, I know it's you. So I'm like, hey, babe, it's me. Uh, I'm in the car right now. And, I, and I've got Pastor Eddie with me right now. And we're coming over to the house right now. And so on the other end of the line, I mean, it's like sirens are going off. The alarm is going off. She's like, no, cancel, 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 right? Like rookie mistake. She's like, man, there's like two by fours in the middle of the living room, right? There's like drywall and asbestos in the side corner. And like, oh, by the way, the only room that we can actually live in, your dirty underwear is still sitting in there for the last week. No, he is not coming over. And so I'm sitting there on the phone, and you know the code call. I'm sitting there like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally, Pastor, she'd love to see you. <laughs> and I'll make my way there. Rookie mistake. I'm telling you guys, if, you've got, if you're taking notes tonight, take notes. Take notes. Oh, my goodness. Here's, the, here's why I tell you that story. Here's why I tell you that story. Man, if I could go back and I could change it again, I would tell you it was the right thing. Like, I wanted to bring my pastor over, and I wanted to show him this beautiful house, but I did it the wrong way. Any, anybody ever out there, like, you want to do the right thing, but you just do it the wrong way? Anybody out there like that? I'll stand up here in my shame. Man, I do this all the time. I've got the right motive, the right intention, but, man, I just do it the wrong way. Well, tonight, I want to take a look at this character of Moses and see how Moses, he was a guy who wanted to do the right thing, but he did it the wrong way. If you'll turn in your Bible just one chapter over, to chapter number two, I want to set up the life of Moses for you and show you how Moses was given a dream in his heart. He was given purpose and direction in his life and how Moses did the right thing the wrong way. So Moses, if you know the story of Moses, basically Moses was an Israelite and he was born into slavery in Egypt. And so one day, Pharaoh put out this decree. He said, hey, the nation of Israel is growing really big and really large. And, and what we're afraid of is that the nation of Israel could overtake our kingdom. They're, they're getting so big. And they, if they ever turned on them, it could be devastating to the Egyptians. And so what happens in this moment is Pharaoh issues a decree. He says, all these baby boys, they've got to go. And so Moses' mom, not wanting to, to have her, her baby boy die, she puts him in a reed basket and entrusts him to God. She puts him in this reed basket and, and she pushes him down, right, I could only assume the Nile River. And Moses goes floating along. And it just so happens that he ends up at the palace of Pharaoh. Coincidence? Not with God. And so Moses floats down the Nile River. The, the, the princess there, she, she picks him up and she says, you know what? I'm taking this baby boy in. She sends out for a messenger, and sure enough, Moses' family is called. They say, hey, would you take care of this baby boy? And so all of a sudden, they go from being prisoners to princes in the matter of a moment. Moses now is caught in between two worlds, the nation of Israel, who is a slave, and the nation of Egypt, who is the master. In this moment, Moses' identity is split. 
And what we read here in chapter number 2 and verse number 11 is this. It says this, many years later, meaning that Moses had grown. It says, when Moses had grown, he went out, and check this, it says he went out to visit his own people. You see, up until this point, Moses had been growing up in a spot where there was some entitlement. Moses had been growing up in a spot where there were, he, he was living the good life, an easy life, a, a comfortable life. Moses was in this moment. And all of a sudden, God places something in Moses' heart that says, I'm calling you to something more. I'm calling something out of you that isn't going to be easy. In fact, it's probably going to be painful. He says, I'm calling out something more in your life. So here's Moses in this moment as he grows old and he sees his people. He starts to identify as an Israelite. Moses is caught in between two worlds. And what we find is this, is that in verse number 12 it says, after looking in all directions, uh, excuse me, right before this, he sees uh, an Israelite being beaten by an Egyptian. And so Moses, having that thing inside of him, this desire to free his people, it says that he looks in all directions, making sure no one was watching, and it says Moses killed the Egyptian and hid his body in the sand. The right thing, the wrong way. Here he is. He's got a desire, but he goes about it in the wrong way. And then look what happens. It says the next day when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating your friend, Moses said to the one who had started the fight. And the man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? Moses, in that moment, is terrified. And let me explain why. It says, Moses was afraid, thinking everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened, and he tried to kill him. Now, many times we look at that and we say, ah, Moses is afraid because he killed the guy. I would beg to differ. If you grew up in a house of supreme power, and you happened to kill a commoner, this was a slap on the wrist. This wasn't the real reason that Moses was so afraid. The reason Moses was afraid was because God had placed this thing in his heart, this purpose, this desire, this passion, this dream. And all of a sudden, he had identified with his blood and not his upbringing. Moses, in this moment, has identified as a Hebrew. And Pharaoh understands that and realizes that he's lost the person that's living in his palace. Moses, in this moment, makes a decision. And he goes about it the wrong way. I wonder, have you ever had something like that in your life? Have you ever had a dream or a desire or, or that thing? Let me put it this way. Have you ever had something that just gripped you? That thing since a, since a young age, it's just gripped you. And maybe it has something to do with philanthropy. Maybe it has something to do with the environment. Maybe it has something to do with a good thing, and it's just been gripping you throughout your life. Moses in this moment has that thing, and he does it the wrong way. And what we find is that he ends up on the run. Here's what happens in this moment. As Moses goes from a prince to a prisoner to a man on the run. Is that in verse number one of chapter number three, we find that Moses has spent 40 years in the wilderness. I wonder, have you ever paid for a bad decision for a long time? Has there, ever been that, has there ever been something in your past 
that's defined your future? Moses is in this moment paying for those sins. Look what it says here. Chapter number 3, verse 1. It says, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. Could you imagine paying for a poor mistake for 40 years? I think there's some people in here tonight that you've allowed some things in your past to define your future. I think there's some people in here tonight that maybe you believe in God, you, you, you put your faith and trust in God, but you believe that because some things in the past have defined your future, you're no longer useful for God. You can no longer be used for God because of this thing, this ugly thing, this shame, this guilt that's from your past. Maybe you're here tonight and you just walked in and you're saying, I don't know about all this Jesus stuff. I don't know about all this stuff, but I know that I've got some baggage in my life. There's no way that this church thing, these Christian things, there's no way that Jesus could ever bring me into that. These are all perfect people up here. <laughs> I'm telling you. God will wreck your world. He'll change a life. Moses in this moment is sitting there for 40 years. And look what it says. This is crazy. You ready for this? It says, he was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. How would you like to work for 40 years and make it to the rank of substitute shepherd? Could you imagine working 40 years over and over? Man, I've got this thing. I'm moving up the corporate ladder and make it after 40 years to the rank of substitute shepherd. This guy goes from being the prince of Egypt, one of the most powerful men in the world, to a substitute shepherd walking around in the wilderness. Do you see? Like, this is a roller coaster, right? He starts going up here, and he just plummets. And God leaves him there. 40 years. Could you imagine the conversations that Moses has with himself as he's walking around with his staff? He sees these sheep, and he's like, I can't believe that I'm here. Do you realize what I, what I had? How many conversations did he have with himself? God, why am I here? 40 years in the wilderness. I think there's some people here tonight that you've been walking in the wilderness for a long time. That you've been feeling that, that tension, that unmet expectation that you had for your life. Moses has been here for 40 years walking in the wilderness and I think he's sitting there wondering what might have been. I tried to do the right thing. I tried to stand up for this dream and this desire that God placed in my heart. I think there's some people here tonight that you may be trying to do the right thing, but you're going about it the wrong way. You have a desire for a relationship. That God's placed that in you, and it's a great thing, but, man, you're sleeping with your boyfriend. And you're trying, you're trying to get God's blessing and you're trying to fulfill God's dream for your life while breaking God's law. I'm telling you that God won't allow it. There's somebody else here tonight that, man, you're trying to do the right thing the wrong way. You're trying to get by with cheating in your job or cutting some corners in some areas that you know that you shouldn't be doing. You're trying to get a leg up on the competition. Moses, in this moment... He feels the weight of unmet expectation. It's safe to say in a room like this tonight that there are many of us who feel that same unmet expectation, who feel that weight, who feel like we just can't get traction in our life, who feel, 
feel almost like a supporting actor in our own story. This is how Moses felt. And look what happens. God shows up. God shows up. I think for many of us, we think that that we'd be further along than we actually are. I know that I did. Or that we think that, man, our past, our past isn't going to define our future until that guilt and shame comes into our life. And I think God sent me here tonight to tell some people that he's not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. That if you have breath in your lungs and a beat in your heart, that God is not done with you yet. I mean, what's the reason that we're still here? Like, if you're here and you're a Christian tonight, like, why aren't you up in heaven? Why didn't you just poof and you're gone? There's got to be some reason. Like, I think there's a purpose for every single person that's in this room tonight. In fact, Romans 8.28 says that there is a plan and a purpose for your life. And I think for many of us, what we think is that we've messed up our life too much to allow God to do anything with it. That God can't use me because of the junk and the baggage in the past. I wonder how many God-given dreams have died because of past decisions. Because of that one thing, that one night, that one relationship, that, that one decision. I'm too far gone. In this moment, God shows up in the middle of nowhere. And he shows up to a man who's been wandering for 40 years, who's graduated to the rank of substitute shepherd, who had a dream in his heart and looked around and never saw the reality come to fruition. Look what it says in verse number two in chapter three. It says this. It says, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire. In an instant, God changes everything. In an instant, Moses' life is completely changed. When I was 25 years old, I was running really, really hard. And I'd been living a life that I thought was going to bring fulfillment, that I thought was going to bring purpose. You see, at that point in time, I, I, had, uh, I had joined the army, joined uh, you know, the world's greatest army and was serving my country. I was trying to do what I thought was going to bring success and status and, and ultimately bring fulfillment. And what I found was the more that I continued to achieve, the emptier that I felt. Have you ever felt that way? Like the more that you do, the more that you achieve, that the emptier you feel? Like somehow there's, there's something missing. I remember sitting there at 25 years old looking at my life saying, I've accomplished everything that I've wanted to accomplish. I've had an opportunity to get ready to go to the most prestigious school in the military. I wanted to become a Delta Force operator. I finally got an invitation. Here I am in the cusp of my dream, the thing I've, I've been dreaming about. And all of a sudden, God rocks my world. You see, in that moment, what I thought that I wanted was a career. What I thought that I wanted was prestige because it was all about me. And God, in this moment, changed my life forever. I'm sitting here in my office, and I'm, I'm reading, and God jumps off the page, and he says, that fulfillment that you so long for, you can find it in me.
That grace that you so long for, you can find it in me. That rest because you're, you're dealing with PTSD and night terrors and you're so fearful and worried about protecting yourself and your family. Like, give that to me. And he took it. And do you know what happened immediately after that? Life got worse. I'm, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> it got worse. Like, I went from being a commander of soldiers, a commander of a company, a commander of 105, uh, 135 freedom fighters to a part-time shoe salesman in my hometown. Now imagine you're sitting there, you're, you're back in your hometown, you say, okay, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm giving you this stuff. I believe you've got a plan and a purpose for my life. Because ever since I was a kid, I knew that I wanted to make a difference, right? And I thought I was going to do it through, through the military, but God said, I got other plans. So I say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. And all of a sudden, he puts me in this position of a part-time shoe salesman. Now, imagine you're in your hometown. You're supposed to be from high school, like one of the top achievers, right? Like most likely to succeed, right? You, you've been in the military, and you're a decorated war veteran, right? You're a commander of soldiers. You're, you're on the fast track to move to your career, the thing that you've so dreamed of. And all of a sudden, you're in your hometown as a part-time shoe salesman. Someone walks in the door and says, Ben, what are you doing here? That feeling, that disappointment, I was sitting in it. And I was saying, God, where are you at? Why am I in this season? Why am I here? And can I tell you, God left me there for half of a year. That's nothing compared to 40 years. But it was the worst experience of my life that I would never take back. Can I tell you why? Because in that moment, the thing that I propped my life up on, the thing that I saw as my identity, the thing that everything stood up and everything was upright, my pride, God broke it. He says, I'm taking it all the way. He says, your identity is in your performance. Your identity is in your profession. Your identity is in your own works, Ben. And when I call you out, I'm bringing you to nothing so that you can see who you actually are. You're mine. And in that moment, my identity radically changed. I found the joy I so longed for in the place I never thought. I found peace that I never thought that I would have. I found fulfillment that I never thought I'd have. How can I work more hours, be more stressed, make less money, and have more joy? It doesn't make sense, except in God's economy. In this moment, I'm sitting there. I'm like, God, I'm yours. I don't like this season. I don't like this desert season, but God, I'm yours. I think there's some people here tonight that you feel that way. Can I just give you a word tonight? That many times we have to die to our own dream in order for God's dream to become a reality. Many times we have to die to that thing and allow God to infiltrate our life and redeem the true purpose of our life. I can say with confidence in this room tonight that every single person that's here, that's under my voice tonight, that you have the opportunity to change the world. 
And you look up here and you're like, man, that's cynical. I don't know about that bit. But if it's true, the God of the universe has a purpose for your life. Wouldn't it make sense that he would place you at this time in this location? Acts 17 says this. It says that God has allotted your periods of time. And he's allotted your boundary places, meaning this, that God has determined that you would live right here in Kansas City, Missouri in 2017 for a purpose. That you live in this location because there are people around you that need to hear truth. That there are people around you that need to feel grace. That there are people around you that need to see the love of God in your life. You can be working at Hy-Vee. You can be working as a part-time shoe salesman. You can be working at the greatest place on earth, Chick-fil-A, right? Like, you have the opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life. And many times what we think is this, is that we have to get to a certain position, a certain status. I've got to have so many years with God before I can make a difference. Can I tell you this, that Jesus sent out his disciples before they ever believed that he was the Messiah? You can make a difference right now. My life was radically changed, not because of a pastor, not because of a worship man, but because of a greeter that stood at the door and embodied the presence of God when I walked in. They embodied that. They gave me a hug. They wrapped their arms around me, and they said, Ben, I love you. I'm so glad to be here. You heard the story. I thought that somebody had told them that I was coming. That was the type of love that they exuded. Man, so often we're so quick to say, man, Purpose and and direction and and dreams like that, that's only for those gifted people. That's only for those special people. It's only for those people up here with a microphone. That's That's for those people. Man, can I tell you tonight, you couldn't be you couldn't be more far off. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. He wants to change the world through you and in you. He wants to change the world one person at a time. In fact, the end of Acts 17 says this, is that God is actually near to everyone. You know why God is actually near to everyone? You know why God is actually near to the people here in Lee Summit? Why God is actually near to the people in Kansas City? Why God is not far from those that are young adults, those that are in their mid-20s and early 30s? You know why God is not, not far? Because God lives in you. And you embody Christ. You want to make a difference You want to change the world. You want to fulfill the purpose of your life. God has given it to you right there. What does it take for us to pick that up? You see, for me, I had suppressed that desire for way too long. And I wrote down just just a couple of things that actually, that held me back from actually fulfilling that desire. And I want to read a couple of them to you here. The first one was this. You know, I, I wanted to do this, but really, I wanted to be liked more. I wanted to have a good job. You know, I didn't want to have one of those bad jobs, right? I couldn't be being called to Africa or something like that where I'm living in, you know, a hut or couldn't be called to Asia where I'm going to have to live out with rice patties. I couldn't be doing that. Like, I want to have a good job. So, Jesus, you're just going to have to put that on the back burner for right now. You know, I want to find a wife, and so uh, because I want to find a wife, I don't know that I can be, you know, following all your rules on this, Jesus. I want to have a house with a white picket fence. I want to have a car that the neighbors envy. I want to have long weekends and good vacations. I want to have a fun retirement, grow old and healthy. I want to die easy. And, and to be honest, Jesus, like I love you just enough to, to not want to go to hell. I mean, we're laughing because I think we've all been there, right? 
You see, the thing that held me back was the mundane and everyday. It wasn't these big, glorious things, that, but it was these little things. I wonder, what's your list tonight? What's your list? The things that hold you back from fulfilling the purpose that's within you. The dream that God's placed in your heart. You see, my plan was so much smaller than God's purpose for me. And I believe that for many of us here tonight, it's the same. That your plan for your life is smaller than the plan that God has for your life. And too often, we're willing to settle for far less than what God has for us. So I want to ask you a question. What have you put to bed that God wants to wake up in your life? What's the purpose that was placed in your life that God wants to wake up? That you've allowed to sit dormant for far too long? You see, you can have purpose anywhere because God is everywhere. You can have it. What have you allowed to sit dormant? Because here's what I know, is that the pain of your past, the reason why you're not doing anything, the reason why this is just another good sermon, the reason why we don't actually pick up and walk across the street to greet our neighbor, the reason why we don't walk across and go talk to our coworker is this, is because of our baggage from the past. Because we've allowed the pain of our past to dictate our future. And in so doing, the pain has now replaced our purpose. God wants to replace pain in your life for the purpose that he has for you. And I'm going to prove it to you right here. Exodus 4. Moses is in this moment. He meets the living God in a bush. In the middle of nowhere. Here he is. And it says this. And Moses Right, this is, this is like a father of the faith, right? Like we have a tendency to like kind of glossy and like make these guys kind of smooth off the hard edges. Like this is Moses, wrote the first five books of the Bible. This is what Moses says to God when God says, I got this great plan for you. You ready? Um, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? Can you imagine meeting God for the first time and being like, what if? Uh, I don't know, God. I'm not sure about this plan. And Moses is here, and Moses processes, he says, what if they won't believe me? What if they won't listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? Why would Moses say that? Why would he say that? Why would he be afraid of that? Because you see, Moses tried to do the right thing the wrong way a long time ago, and he wants proof in his life. And he says, what if? Maybe you're here today. And you, you know that God had called you to something a long time ago. He called you to that thing, that purpose for your life. And you said no. I wonder how many dreams have died under the weight of what if. How many? Man, I don't know if I can step out in faith. The economy is just really bad. I don't know if I can step out. You know, I've got that divorce in my past. I'm not sure if anybody would, would ever want to, want to meet me again. You know, I'm just kind of an introvert. I don't know if I can get into community. You see, what what-ifs will do, what they'll do is they'll keep you up at night. And they'll wake you up in the morning. The what-if alarm clock. You ever had one of those? You've been stressed about your job? What if? Moses is in this moment. He says, what if, God, what if, what if they don't believe? And you know what God does in this moment? I love God. This is what he says. 
This, this wouldn't have been my response. He goes, uh, what's that in your hand? Would you do this for me? Would you put your hand out like this? And would you turn to your neighbor and say, what's in your hand? Would you turn to your other neighbor, your second choice, and say, sorry, I blew you off. But what's in your hand? What's in your hand? You see, God, in this moment, he meets Moses right where he's at. And Moses, he's got his staff, right? He's got his staff. What did that staff represent to Moses? This was his pain. This was his shame. This was the thing he didn't want to tell anybody about. There's somebody in here who has been watching porn for a long, long time. You're saying, there's no way I could ever bring this into community. There's somebody here that you've been sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend. There's no way I could bring this into the light. This is my pain. This is my shame. There's been abuse in your life. There's been some things that have happened to you, and you say, I'm no longer worthy. And God, in this moment, he asks Moses, he says, what's in your hand? That thing that Moses, every time he looks at it, 40 years, he's got his shepherd's staff. For 40 years, he's been walking with sheep, thinking about what might have been. What might have been? Moses knows all too well what is in his hand. And here's what God does. He says, throw it down on the ground. And so Moses, in this moment, throws it on the ground. What if your blessing came through your brokenness? What if your purpose came through your pain? God tells Moses in this moment, he says, throw it on the ground. And you know what Moses does? He throws it on the ground and he puts it down. And this is what happens. He sits there and he looks at it. And what does God do? In this moment, he throws it on the ground. runs away. Think about it. How many times have you stopped doing what you know God has called you to because of the thing in your past? It's going to be scary. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard to come into community and to share your life and to share your past and to share your background. But can I tell you that it's healing? Can I tell you that when you give it to God, when you place it on the ground, when you place it before his feet, that snake, that thing that you think is going to bite you, that's going to destroy you, that's going to kill you, that thing that you don't want anybody else to know, but when you lay it down, what happens is this. Moses takes it. He doesn't pray over it. He doesn't just pray He says to pick it up. In Jesus' name, when you pick up your pain, he will give you your purpose. When you pick up your pain, he will show you your future. You want to make a difference in this world? You want to change the world? Pick it up. Because in that, in your brokenness, comes God's blessing for your life. It's only there. 
And I want to ask you this question. What if God didn't bring Moses back? What if Moses had left it on the ground and kept running? Where would the nation of Israel been? They would have been in bondage. Where would Kansas City be if we kept running? Where would that friend be that you know that's on your heart right now? That person that God's been begging you, begging you to tell him, hey, come to church with me. Come to Paradigm. Come to my community group. Where would they be? If Moses had never come back and picked up his pain, the nation of Israel would have still been in bondage. Can I tell you, the reason I'm starting a church in Austin, Texas, is because I see the bondage that people are living in every day. And it breaks my heart. I had the opportunity to be saved from that bondage, to have my life radically changed by the God of the universe. And so many people are walking around today that are still in it. And that's our, that's our purpose, that's our mission, to pick that up and go share. Moses picks up his staff, the thing that defined him for 40 years, that thing was his guilt and shame. That same staff parted the Red Sea. That same staff turned a rock into a river in the middle of the desert. That same staff turned a river into blood and back into a river. That same staff that was once his shame freed all those that were in slavery. Moses, in this moment, gives his life to God and says, God, use me. God, use me. You see, what you thought was going to destroy you when you laid it down to God will ultimately develop you in his purpose for you. Moses, in this moment, would give it to God. Can I tell you that you and I, we have the privilege to live on the other side of the cross. We have the privilege to be able to sit on this side. You see, it was at the cross that God's greatest pain would make way to accomplish God's greatest purpose for humanity. I wonder how many are here tonight that you need to lay that down. You need to lay down your pain and allow God to give you a purpose You see, Moses would take the very thing that defined his failure to give his people a new future. It's never too late to be who you might have been. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for these moments that we share. We thank you for your word, that you are a God that redeems. You're a God that loves us. God, you're a God of the second chance and the third chance and the fourth chance. God, you're a God that continues to extend grace and love to those that don't deserve. God, you are that God. God, if there's anyone here tonight, God, and they don't have a relationship with you, Father, I pray that tonight would be the night. If you're here tonight and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, can I just lead you in a prayer? You, can, you don't have to say it out loud. I just want you to say this in your heart. You say, Jesus, I need you. I'm so lost without you. The purpose and fulfillment that I want for my life, Father, I haven't found it. I need you to replace my pain with purpose. I need you to replace my brokenness with your blessing. Father, tonight I want to follow you with my life. I want to give you my whole heart. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.